Hello and welcome to the Extremist Publishing Podcast. I'm Tom Christie. Today's guest is Dr Colin Barn, author of The Craft of Public Speaking, a guide to the essential knowledge behind giving a truly good public presentation. So Colin, how did the idea for this book first come about? Well, I've always been interested in public speaking. When I became the chairman of an organisation representing private nursing homes in 1985, I was frequently called upon to make presentations and speeches and also take part in TV and radio broadcasts. So I read every book on public speaking that I could find. And my favourite book on this topic was actually the oldest, Dale Carnegie's classic tome, How to Develop Friends and Influence People by Public Speaking, which was published in 1926. I also did an intensive three-day course with the John May School of Public Speaking in London in January 1990. And the following year, I became one of the directors of a public relations company, Professional Profile Scotland Limited, and I devised my own three-day course in public speaking. There wasn't much interest in this course, so it was never held. A few years later, I suggested to the British Medical Journal that they might like to publish a series of articles written by me on public speaking and presentation skills. They turned me down flat, but in 2016, I turned all my unused course material from 1991 and the proposed British Medical Journal articles into a book, The Craft of Public Speaking, which has been very well received. So what would you say you've found to be the most common faults in public speaking? Well, I would say the most common faults would be a lack of preparation, a lack of rehearsal, poor delivery, and very bad use of visual aids. But a lack of structure is probably the most common fault. A good presentation should have a clear beginning, middle, and end. My own preferred method is to start off with what I call an opening hook, which can be some kind of dramatic statement or rhetorical question. Then I make a brief summary of what is to follow. Then I go through each of these points in the same order, fleshing them out considerably. And then, just before the end of the presentation, I summarise what I've said and end with something like a call for action or a punchy quotation, something like that. As a lay preacher once said, first I tell them what I'm going to tell them, then I tell them what I tell them, and then I tell them what I just told them. Signposting your presentation in this way makes it easier for the audience to understand what you've just said and helps them to remember. So why would you say that so many people struggle with public speaking as a discipline? Well, I think, Tom, it's because most people have had no training whatsoever in public speaking. I mean, you wouldn't expect people to drive a car or fly a plane without extensive prior training. Yet most people get up on their hind legs and deliver a speech or presentation without ever having read a book on the subject or taken a course. People will simply copy what they see other speakers doing and if the person who they model has a poor technique then their faults will be perpetuated. 
Now, as someone who has had extensive experience of public speaking throughout their career, what pieces of advice would you like to give to people in order to improve their public speaking? Well, read books on the subject. Watch YouTube videos on public speaking. Go on courses. Above all, make sure your speech or presentation has a clear beginning, middle and end. Rehearse your speech out loud at least four times and time it with a stopwatch. Some people even advocate making a video so you can critique your own performance. Don't go on too long. If your speech is over long, cut it down. If you're asked to speak for 20 minutes, then speak for 15. No one will complain, I can assure you of that. Surely there are many people out there who will be surprised to hear you talking about the importance of rehearsal. It's come to be claimed now, particularly in this age of, of live broadcast, that it's better to speak spontaneously about a subject. Well, that may be a, be a surprise to some people. There is a widespread popular belief that rehearsals are not necessary and that spontaneous speeches are better. But the opposite is actually true. Often it is in rehearsals that your speech really comes alive. You may discover in rehearsals that certain words need to be changed. Pauses need to be introduced. Certain words and phrases need to be emphasised. There may be sections of your talk where your speed may have to be increased. Or, alternatively, you may have to slow down in certain sections. Or you may find there are sections where you have to alter your pitch for dramatic effect or maybe make a gesture. So what would you say are the key elements in a good speech? An arresting opening, a clear structure with a beginning, middle and end, good delivery, good eye contact with the audience, a good close, an appropriate use of visual aids. So looking at your, your own public speaking, how would you choose to open a speech? Well, there are a number of ways you can open a speech, and I call this part the opening hook. In my book, I have compared this section of our presentation with the pre-credit sequence in a Bond movie. You can make it very brief, you can make a very brief dramatic statement, or you can even ask a rhetorical question. Or you can use a so-called anniversary hook in which the date of your presentation is linked to some historical event in the past. For example, supposing you're asked to speak on December the 7th, you might say something like this. Today is December the 7th. On this very date in 1941, the Japanese destroyed the US fleet at Pearl Harbor. And now, 77 years later, our businesses are in danger of being sunk if this new legislation goes ahead. Now, there are a number of books you can buy which explain what happened on a certain date in history, such as The Book of Days by Bog Monkhouse. And nowadays you can also get the same information for free on the internet. And by that same token, how would you choose to close a speech? Well, let me start by explaining the worst way to end a speech or presentation. And it's by saying something like this. 
Oh, look at the time. I better stop now. Or, oh, I think I'll just stop there. I've said enough. Or, oh, how long have I gone on for? Or, oh, how much time have I got? Now, these are not endings. They are cop-outs. The best way of finishing a presentation involves summarising what you've just said in just a few sentences and then closing with a punchy quote or a call to action. Now, I'm sure there are many people out there who'll be interested to learn that you suggest you should write out your speech in its entirety before you perform it. Do you have any tips on how this should be done? Well, first of all, Tom, I'd like to point out that all the greatest speeches in history have been carefully drafted in advance. Very, very few have been spontaneous. Often they've gone through many rewrites and amendments. Abraham Lincoln used to carry his draft speeches around in his top hat, and any time he had a few minutes to spare, he would take it out and do a bit of rewriting on it. And he used to call it giving it another lick. And Roosevelt's famous Day of Infamy speech started out as something much lengthier. And politicians' speeches are often written by professional speechwriters. Now one tip I can give you is that speechwriters must understand the difference between spoken English and written English. Because they're not the same thing. In fact, they are polar opposites. Written English is very formal. Spoken English is very casual and doesn't have to be grammatically correct. Let me give you an important example. In written English, there's a rule of grammar called elegant variation, which states that it is grammatically poor to repeat a word or a similar sounding word in the same paragraph. So in written English, it would be considered poor grammar to write something like this. I got into my car, I drove my car to Tesco, I parked my car in the car park, and I got out the car. It would be better English to write, I get into my Nissan Micra, I drove to Tesco where I parked it, and I got out. However, in spoken English, the opposite applies. It can be quite an effective technique to repeat a word frequently, a method which is known as anaphora. And the best example would be Winston Churchill's famous speech, We shall fight them in the beaches. We shall fight them in the landing grounds. We shall fight them on the streets, etc. And of course, in recent years, we have had Tony Blair's famous remarks about education, education, education. So if you were writing an article using written English about the NHS, you might say the following. This country needs more doctors, nurses and hospitals. But in a speech, it might be more effective to say something like this. The country needs more doctors. The country needs more nurses. And above all, this country needs more hospitals. Well, one of the most intriguing things about your book is that you devote an entire chapter to humour. Do you think that every speech should incorporate jokes? Well, one of my mentors, the late John May, once said that if you're not a funny person in everyday life, then you shouldn't use jokes. But used correctly, they can enliven an otherwise boring presentation. If you're using jokes, make sure that they are relevant to the topic of your presentation. So if you're doing a speech on driving, have jokes about driving. If you're doing a speech on holidays, 
have some jokes about holidays. Nowadays you can buy books full of jokes on just about any subject and of course many jokes are available for free on the internet. Now one tip I would give is that it's quite a good idea to attribute a funny joke to a well-known comedian because it then gets a better laugh. For example, if I was to say the following, mixed emotions, that's what you feel when you see your mother-in-law reversing your new car over a cliff, well, that might get a few titters from an audience, but if you were to preface the joke with the words, as the late Les Dawson once said, then that joke will get a better laugh. In the same way, humorous quotations attributed to people like Woody Allen, Billy Conley and Groucho Marx often seem funnier because people perceive them as comedy gods. They feel that they are expected to laugh, so they do. In the same way, profound quotations are better received if they're attributed to very famous people like Abraham Lincoln or Winston Churchill. Now, another factor that you discuss is the importance of good delivery. What tips would you like to give the listeners for improving their delivery? Feel some emotion about what you're talking about and speak with fire in your belly. And don't speak in a constant monotone. You can vary the pitch and speed of your delivery. And pauses can be introduced for dramatic effect. I mean, for example, instead of saying, Brexit will be a disaster, all our businesses will go bankrupt, it might be more effective to do it like this. Brexit will be a disaster. All our businesses will go bankrupt. So you can see how introducing a pause makes it more dramatic because people that are just listening, waiting for you to say something of importance. It's a technique that's often used in acting. Before an actor makes a profound revelation during some dialogue, often the actor will introduce a pause for dramatic effect during which she may perhaps you know, use some facial expressions to uh, increase the effect of what he's about to say. Another thing you can often do is use gestures with your hands and maybe even bang on the table to make a point. Another chapter which you include is on the subject of using props. What tips would you give on using props in a speech? Well, very simple props can make a presentation come alive because you, the speaker, are no longer just a talking head. In my book, I've described a technique called physicalization, where I produce the object I am talking about. People will remember your use of props. I remember when I was a medical student, a consultant cardiologist gave us a lecture on the heart. To describe the elastic properties of heart muscle, he produced a large elastic band, which he stretched between his hands. And more than 40 years later, I can still remember that. In the same way, models can be very effective as a prop. Now, of course, these days, infamously, many people rely on Microsoft PowerPoint as a visual aid in their presentations. What would you say are the common errors in using that technology? Well, I could probably write an entire book about the misuse of PowerPoint. And the first point I would make is that PowerPoint isn't always necessary. And I've seen many excellent presentations ruined by superfluous PowerPoints. 
The main problem is that with PowerPoint, it is so easy to put words on the screen that there's a great temptation to put vast amounts of text in front of the audience. A rule I have come across for slides is the so-called 4x4 rule. You should have no more than four bullet points in any one slide and no more than four words per bullet point. And I would also add that each of these bullet points should be revealed one at a time, not all at once. But what do most lecturers do? They put vast amounts of text on the screen that no one can possibly read. And while this awful, complicated slide is up, they talk about something else. So audience members have a choice of reading this dreadful slide or listening to the lecturer. They can't do both. So what usually happens is that they try and write down what's in the slide, but they fail at this task because it's quickly replaced by another equally complicated one after just two minutes, and they end up with nothing. I've also seen lecturers who put every word of their presentation, and I mean every word, on a large number of consecutive PowerPoint slides. They then stand with their back to the audience and read every slide out loud. Awful. It's terrible. Personally, I think using PowerPoint badly should be a criminal offence punishable by death. I think the correct way to use PowerPoint is to have as few slides as possible and each slide should only have a few words in it and if possible, pictures or photographs rather than words. And for goodness sake, don't scan an entire page of a textbook and put it on a PowerPoint slide. No one will be able to read it and no one will understand it. You should think of PowerPoint slides as being like signs on a motorway, easy to understand with very small amounts of text. If motorway signs were like the average PowerPoint slide, there would be a pile-up every five minutes. So as someone who has delivered many different speeches over the years, Colin, is there any one particular presentation that stands out in your mind as being especially memorable? Well, I think um, there was one presentation I gave at a TFT conference in England, and this would be about 10 years ago. And it had a lot of humour in it, and I actually used a radio-controlled Dalek as a prop to open the presentation. This particular uh, Dalek had a voice function, so I had uh, questions that I asked the Dalek, and then it answered with these uh, phrases which were actually quite funny. For example, I would say to the Dalek, so what, what, how would you describe us thought field therapy practitioners? And the Dalek replied, we are the masters of earth. And in a similar vein, I also remember the speech I gave at my mother's funeral a few years ago. It was a eulogy, and once again, I seem to have been obsessed with Daleks, but I was explaining how my mother had this very strange habit in that um, she didn't really understand ansophones, and that because ansophones were machines, she thought that to get them to work, you had to speak to them like a Dalek. So she would leave a message like this, this is your mother speaking. We will be arriving at Greenock Saturday morning at 10 o'clock and you are very welcome to come for lunch. 
Well, thanks, Colin, for a very interesting uh, overview of your book, which I must say, having read it myself, uh, covers every possible point that really needs to be addressed about what is an incredibly important skill. Thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Tom. Colin's book, The Craft of Public Speaking, can be ordered from all good online retailers and independent booksellers worldwide. Thank you very much for joining us. I hope that you'll tune in again soon.